This is 50 Feminist States, a road-tripping storytelling podcast visiting all 50 U.S. states to interview feminist activists and artists about their work for gender justice. From the glaciers of Alaska to the dunes of Indiana, I want 50 feminist states. From the waves of New Hampshire to the skies of Montana, I want 50 feminist states. Hi, 50 Feminist States fam, Amelia here, back with you for episode 48 of this podcast. If you've been tuned in for quite a while, you might notice that I'm doing a little reworking of our numbering system. I used to only number by state and then separate multiple episodes per state into parts, but now I'm going with a slightly more holistic approach and just giving every episode a new number. Seems so simple. I don't know why I sometimes overcomplicate things. Do you ever find you do that yourself? If you feel like you've ever overcomplicated something, you've lost sight of your path, you're not sure exactly where you got out of alignment, but you want to find your way back, today's episode is for you. In this episode, I speak with Mary Grace Allardyce, who is an astrologer, a dancer, a healer, a writer, and so many things, living on unceded Muskegee Creek land in Atlanta, Georgia. This conversation is a balm It is here for us on the eve of Halloween, the eve of a momentous election, to remind us of the power of bringing our power back into our bodies, getting embodied, focusing on our healing, focusing on the earth, of connecting to our container and its entire ecosystem. You can probably hear just from the tone of my voice how calm and centered my conversation with Mary Grace made me feel. And if you listen to this episode and you want even more, you can hear me on her podcast, Homebody, very soon. Highly suggest going and finding her podcast in the show notes and subscribing to that as well. I'm so excited to share this episode with you, and I don't even think it needs more of an introduction. Let's dive right in together. Here's Mary Grace. My name is Mary Grace Allardyce, and I am a dance artist. I am a book lover reader. I am an astrologer. I read tarot. I have a Reiki practice. I'm an intuitive. Um, I have trouble always finding one word. And a lot of my healing practice lately is really leaning more towards shamanic roots and practices as well. And then where I am, I live in Atlanta, Georgia in the South. And I've lived in the South for all of my life. And That being said, I've never really identified as a Southerner. It has never felt like something that felt super integral to my identity or um, it would be silly to say that it hasn't like informed my life at all, but it is not something that I have felt very attached to in my life. Mm -hmm. You already touched on this in your introduction, but I just want to kind of dive in with you and that you do so many things and so many exciting, wonderful practices that are rich each in, in and of themselves. 
So just so listeners know, like when I read your website, you talk about being a teacher, podcaster, astrologer, Reiki practitioner, tarot reader, intuitive, and overall occultist. And I'm just wondering, how did you come to these practices? Did one come first? Did they all show up at once? Can you tell us a little bit about the journey? Yeah. Growing up, I was really identified primarily through my dancing and um, being super attached to how that life would manifest for me. Like surely if I worked the hardest and did the best and did what everyone told me to do, that I would be successful and it did not work out that way, Mm. Um, which it does. That is true for most people, I think. And, um, And I see now that it was a blessing that I would have been actually very unhappy and small if it had worked out the way that I had intended. That being said, I've had a lot of internal work to do. I grew up with a lot, I felt a lot of like grief around, it's hard to say this without sounding so serious. I felt a lot of grief around like being alive and like heaviness and sadness and things to really process from a really young age that felt really big and really deep. And so I think because of that, I've always been kind of inclined towards the natural world in a really big way um, towards anything remotely close to being identified as magical. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more I dove into my artist community, especially in my twenties and just related to more and more people who felt like who I related to, whose interests related to me, it was like, Oh, you're also interested in this and we're in rehearsal together. And so I started really taking these things that I was interested in, like tarot, like astrology really seriously. Um, I would definitely say that tarot came first. Um, and, um, astrology I've been interested in for so long. Um, but it was really in my twenties where I started to take it seriously. And it's actually just been rather recently where I was like, I feel like I've had a big coming out in the past year and a half or so of just like owning that these are things that I do and these are things that I practice. Um, and these are like gifts that I have to share with the world. I had a business that closed a little over a year ago and that really shut down a huge trajectory for me. And I realized that I was going to have to really start being who I was um, mm-hmm. in order for life to start working. So yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but it definitely has been one thing picking up on another, but I'm very much a burrower and I'm very much a like tapestry thinker about like how it's all connected. And while these practices feel distinct um, in a lot of ways and they're useful for different things, depending on what you're trying to do, to me, they do feel all connected. They do feel like they have similar goals and aligned thinking and they're all arts. They're all healing arts. They're magical arts. The dance is an art. So Yeah. That's kind of how I, I process that. Yeah. I mean, I love that. I love that you said you're a burrower and a tapestry thinker. That's just like a beautiful. I'm always going deep and wide. <laughs> yeah. I just think that sort of thinking and practicing is something that we need so much more of in the world. We live in a world that I think really pushes quick, fast, superficial movement and practice and thought. And so I'm always so fascinated by the people who are really slowing down, rooting in and spending the time interconnecting things. So that sounds really beautiful to me. I'm wondering if you would say a little more and you could totally not if you don't want to go there, but just about how that ending process, how closing a business led you to realize that you needed to be more of your full self, or as you put it, kind of a coming out around these practices, how you came to it and what it looks like now. I'll try to be cohesive, but also like truthful. It was, to me, I see now how a lot of the 
actions that I was taking and the roles that I was taking on and the person that I was trying to be was based on a belief that I could not be who I was in this world and also make money or be seen or be successful. Um, That the things that I love and that I am interested in would not be enough to support me in this life. Mm-hmm. Um, so you heard, I heard that a lot about dancing growing up, like, oh, you're going to be poor if you do that. Um, and then when I realized that dancing wasn't going to work out for me as a full-time job, I got Pilates certified, yoga certified. So I was teaching that for 10 years. I started a studio, um, and as pretty soon after it opened, I ended up being pretty tremendously unhappy. I met my now husband during that process and through that, which was intense, which is a theme in my life is that it's intense, but, um, but also amazing. And I ended, I just, re- I got so burned out and I got so, I realized, and I remember telling a friend right after it opened that I felt my power leave like right after it left, it's like, I used to feel it in inside, like really deep and I could access it and act from it. And I felt it be outside of me. I felt it leave. Um, and I kept trying to rearrange circumstances so that I could like maneuver it back inside of me and I could feel good again. And it just didn't. Um, and I started to really just like believe the things that I knew about myself, the things that I know about my chart, the things I know about what is true for me and to be like, oh, this is not how I'm supposed to be operating. Um, and so from there, I tried to like either find some partners for the business who could help me do some of the things that I don't like um, that were just being really challenging. Um, I tried to sell it. Um, and then the rent was just going up super high. And I was like, I just don't think I can keep doing this. Um, so. Yeah. So I just made the, I had to make a decision. Basically I was like, I can't afford to keep doing this financially, spiritually, emotionally. Um, and so it closed and it was really challenging and confronting failure in such a big way. And a lot of demons and beliefs I had around that in a really big way, but on a spiritual level, I see how it was, which is another strong theme of mine is just the cycle of catharsis. And when we reach this moment of like, if it's not working, it has to go. And we have to leave this big gaping wound so that it can teach us about why it's there and what it wants to heal. And I don't know that everyone comes into this life with, we all come in with certain contracts, I think, in ways that we are operating. And I don't know that everyone has one around work, but I do, I think. And it was just becoming a very clear signal from the universe to me that it will not support what I'm not here to do. There was no aid coming. There was no one helping me. There was no one saving me. Um, and so it was a it was a really big message for me. It's like you will act in alignment or it will not work. Period. Um, and I don't know that that's everybody's rule. I don't have a rule around that. But that is something that I have really had to digest for myself, especially in the past this past season. So. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing. I just feel so much wisdom and magic in hearing you say those all of those things I think that I am also someone who has many of those contracts around work and alignment and I'm always seeking guides and reminders of that and it sounds so hard that you had to like live it out in that way and that I can't imagine but I remember I, I remember very clearly reading like Patty Smith's Just Kids I don't know if you read that book but 
for anyone who hasn't. She's my goddess. <laughs> yes. She is my everything. I remember when I read that, when I read Just Kids for the first time, and that book found me in a magical way. It was like sent to me by a pen pal I've never met from an internet exchange I randomly signed up for, right? So the, the universe brought me that book and I remember reading it and being like, oh, this is what it means to live in alignment and to be willing to risk that, but to like hold true. That there are so many of us who share this and who are really get caught in living out prescribed paths that so deeply do not suit what we like to do or can do or want to do, or as you put it so nicely, like what the universe will support us in doing. And so isolating to be there. So, so isolating. But I'm glad that you found your way, way on the other side of it. That's nice. Yeah, we're working on it. Yeah. I think that leads us into my next question, which is kind of a question about homebody and both like what your podcast and your platform that are called Homebody. And I would love to hear like, what does that mean? What does Homebody mean to you? And what are you doing under that kind of name right now? I mean, part of it is just like funny because I'm someone who loves to be at home. And I like literally am um, like when you, there was a meme going around when a lot of lockdowns were happening in the U S and it was like a a meme about, you know, when you realize that your lifestyle is called quarantine and I was like, Oh yeah, that's definitely me. (laughs) Um, So part of it is just like really been embracing and owning just how deeply introverted I am, how much quiet I love and how much I love to be at home. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of in working with bodies, working with my body, working with other people's bodies, whether as like a a choreographer or as like a a Pilates teacher or like a healer, um, I see a lot of things coming down to like, are we living in the body as our home? And so I look at it that way. It's kind of like, if you think of it as a funnel, like the widest part Mm -hmm. and then funneling like the experience of home into the body. But I think it also works outwards where we're also bodies living, like our wider body being the earth and being our home in that way as well. Really how we're held in these concentric circles of earth and body and Mm -hmm. home and our relationships. Um, So I think that is really what that means for me right now. Mm -hmm. And it just reminds me to give myself permission to be quiet and to be at home and to be invisible when I feel like that's just what's happening. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing under that right now is the podcast, um, which I love. And it's just something that I think too, that from just an entrepreneurial perspective, I was also just wanting to give myself something that I could use besides my own name, should I ever need that more directly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's my healing practice. There's all of my practices. Some of them, I try to approach all of them as healing practices mm-hmm. um, that we talked about in the podcast and the notes and then just tag it all under that as much as I can. Um, I love an umbrella. Yeah. I like this idea of like an umbrella model instead of a brand model or something else. Yeah. Um, like we all need a container and our work needs a container, but I just don't, um, Every, I just need a lot of porousness with any structures that I engage with. <laughs> so. yeah. Oh, I love that so much. It just immediately makes me think of just like water and flow and lots uh, of water over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so great because so much feels so like, especially when in business and on the and in, like social media, but like so much feels so tight and constricted and it's all like earth and fire energy. That's why I always think of like business as usual. And so just like 
cleansing all of that with water sounds really powerful in your practice. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of times feels like I don't know what I'm doing as far as like, you know, should I have strategy about this? Or I could probably be more effective with this action if I knew exactly what path I was taking after that. And I think it could benefit from more structure, but it also like me imposing it willy nilly or without it being connected to myself um, from a deep place is just not, yeah, I'm just done with that, I think. Yeah. I love that. I think that just being done is such a I'm nice... just done. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like that has really is a message that's like just been mirrored back to you from the universe and the world. I think that something I see a lot in wellness spaces is being people being taught that it's all about like their personal will and, and resolve and like it's on you to like decide that it's done or that you're doing something differently or that you're changing or, and there is a, some truth to that, right? Like you, you do have to, as you put it before, like bring your power back into your body or find it there. Like that, that is part of the process. But I think so much of it is also the universe. There have to be other, it's not just us. I think that sometimes wellness spaces can give us the impression that it is all on each of us individually to change whatever it may be we want to change about our lives. And in my experience, <laughs> that has never been the case. So many of the most powerful changes in my life have really happened because I just managed to unlock something for myself. And then some other people or places or opportunities like flowed in through that one, that one opening. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I totally hear that. And I think it's true. I think, and I've been talking a lot lately about just really feeling this responsibility for the world. Like there's a way that we like, we want the government to save us. We want the government to save the, the planet. We want that, you know, we, and it's like really taking responsibility for the world that we want to see. Mm -hmm. And I'm reminded on, this is really a yogic teaching that I've benefited so much from but we see it in the elements as well but this marriage of action and surrender and how we have to have both of them like yes mm -hmm. we take action it's like this idea of like drawing a bow and like there's flexibility and strength and skill and like aiming but if you don't actually let it go like you're never going to hit anything so it's this this combination that really um helps us to arrive at whatever it is you know we do our best and then we see what happens um, we take action and then we surrender we need earth for structure but if we don't have water we have erosion so like it's each element needs the other to bring that like balance to Mm -hmm. to what we're seeing. And I don't say balances and we need equal of everything. Sometimes we asymmetry is also what we need, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's both. And I think that is a lot of what the feminine principle really has to offer the world right now, because it is, it is embodying those things. It is embodying the surrender. It is embodying a different kind of power and a different kind of truth and wisdom about and principles about how the world operates and what it means to be in alignment with that and feel fulfilled by that. Mm -hmm. I want to ask about something more specific, just that you shared earlier in the summer that brought together your astrological teachings of planets and social justice. And you wrote this really wonderful post mm -hmm. that I'll link to in the show notes about what the planets teach us about social justice. I'm sure there are people tuned in who 
astrology is not a familiar language to them. Totally fine. And so I'm wondering if you could share a little bit more, like what do the planets teach us about social justice? Why did you write that post? And then we'll go from there. Um, well, I wrote the post. It kind of, you know, every once in a while, because um, I'm also a writer, you know, when we're a creative person, every once in a while, we get kind of blessed with this wind where we're like, there it is. And I just sit down and write and stuff. And of course, you have to revise it and work on it. But you, you catch the wind and you're like, oh, I caught it and it comes out. So it was definitely one of those moments. And I love those moments. But also it was really it was in the middle of the summer and we were starting to see a lot of the um, it was just at the beginning of the Black Lives Matter uprisings and social media was just getting a little uh interesting um i was just feeling i was watching a lot of people like talk speaking of like kind of decentering their own power just be like oh this person said i need to do this so i'll just do this and this person and i was just like where is our own we have voices and we can use yeah. them and so feeling like a lot of people felt like they um yeah so it just felt good for me to connect to my voice i think mm -hmm. and i really wanted to do that in that moment um and i think one of the things that I love about astrology is that it can house so many things. Um, we were talking about umbrellas earlier. It's a, it's a place where I can, you know, talk about mythology and I can talk about psychology and I can talk about archetypes. And I think when we think of the planets as being archetypes for how life takes action, mm -hmm. um, they can teach us a lot because they all embody different qualities. They all have different agendas. They prefer mm -hmm. the world to be a certain way. Um, they all like certain conditions and they have certain virtues, if you will. Um, and so I think if we look at them that way as the kind of characters in this story that is playing out cosmically and terrestrially, um, we can look at them and it's like, okay, well, this planet likes to operate this way. It has preferences for, um, this kind of environment, these kinds of goals, this kind of speed, how does that translate to this specific set of circumstances like justice mm -hmm. or relationships? And we could look at it through any lens like that, but in that moment, um, justice is something that's important to me anyways, but in that moment, it felt like that was really what was wanting to come through. Could you maybe speak like specifically to one of the planets and yeah. kind of, yeah, just an example. We'll, we'll use the heavy hitters that we're experiencing in this moment, especially if this comes out in October. So like Saturn, for instance, is distant and cold and moves slowly. Um, and for a long time before we discovered Uranus and Pluto and Neptune, that was the farthest planet that we knew about. Mm -hmm. And so it has this aloof quality that likes structure. It's interested in boundaries. It's, there's a planet that's going to say no to you. It is going to be Saturn. Um, so there's a, and if it's a, it's a world that is interested in the past and the future, but also one of structure. And so we have that, and let's say Aries, who is the opposite in many, many ways, who is Marshall. I'm sorry, not Aries, Mars, who is Marshall, who is a more warrior archetype, whereas Saturn is more of like a Senex archetype or um, the old grandfather archetype. Obviously, at very if we hold those two people next to each other, their way that they embody their virtues is going to be totally different. Um, Mars wants to act, Mars wants to fight, Mars wants to divide, um, and Mars and Aries, which we're experiencing right now, wants to go super fast and impulsively and is not really interested in the strategy of a thing, but in the force of a thing. So we can see how they would have, in some ways, in, we're experiencing them cosmically as diametrically at cross purposes with each other. 
Mm -hmm. um, but we can also see that they can embody something positive, whereas like justice takes a long time and we need to be smart about how we build it and it needs to have strong foundations to be successful. So that would be a Saturnian advice, right? Mm -hmm. And then if we asked Mars the same question, it would be like, and you must show up with force and with strength and you must use the skill and the discipline of a warrior. And like justice is also fast and it means we must take action now and in the future. So if we hold them all together, we see how these different personalities, these different um, preferences and virtues and archetypes can really hold a really full picture um, of a life or of a community or a country and what, you know, 3D, 4D action could look like. Yeah. I love that so much. And especially, you know, on a podcast that interviews activists, I'm always trying to show like a really holistic sense of activism and of justice. I think like that comes alongside a holistic idea of justice, which is that there are so many different ways to embody change. And I think that something that really came to a head this summer that your post made me appreciate so much was like, there was a lot of conversation and kind of imperatives and declaratives online pointing to only one way for change to happen and only one way that people should or could be engaged in that. And then I was just intrigued by some of the pushback to that because anyone who spent time in organizing spaces knows that they are full of many different personalities and they require many, many different types of people. They require the people with a more Saturnian energy who are going to um, hold on to the mission and probably also the budget and mm -hmm. show up in the space and set up chair. Like there are all sorts of foundational things that have to happen and they require that Mars energy of the people who when something happens are going to immediately make the push against it or for it. And that is it like it's a beautiful picture to put together but also I think when I think about it more archetypally or I think about these personalities in different ways helps me see make sense of some of the conflicts I've experienced in organizing spaces um it's not easy when Mars and Saturn come into conversation for me that's also where like when I get into that like planetary moment of conflict that's where these other healing practices that you share and that some of which like tarot or something that I also practice can come in and help me deal with sometimes literally two humans who are conflicting in that way or two energies in my own life that I'm struggling with. Um, but I really, I just loved how you were kind of taking this astrological perspective to social justice. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on for people tuning in, like how, listeners might be able to, I wrote in my notes, um, build their own planetary social justice practices, which sounds really oh. fun and intense, but how can, how can maybe they begin to think about the planets and social justice in their lives? That's a great question. My first instinct to respond to that is being who you are is a revolutionary practice mm -hmm. and you are not your chart. Um, the chart is a sort of, I love thinking of the chart as a map, it's the word that I use the most to describe how we would use that. Um, mm -hmm. So it is not you. Um, but we can see a lot of things in the chart. It is showing us your life. And I think when we align to the, the chart can show us 
what works rather well for us, what does not, what archetypes are really strongly coming through our life and through Mm -hmm. us personally. And I think aligning with our gifts, aligning with the archetypes that want to come through us is a really powerful practice. Me trying to be Mars is not going to be successful. (laughs) Um, But me being like a very Jupiter, Venus strong person, astrologically, um, that is something that I lean into. And it feels like, so one of the ones that was really powerful for me to write was Venus, because I feel like I'm always like, oh, is it beautiful though? You know? Um, but how we can really, it is revolutionary to consider your gifts as powerful and as necessary and to really own your idea of beauty and what is beautiful about the world and to operate that way. Um, and to not, I think they can teach us how to not judge each other. I think Mm -hmm. it's really one of the biggest things to appreciate the diversity of how we show up. Um, and I think one of the biggest kind of astrological practice that I think that we could do, even if you're not into astrology at all, is just like practicing observation. Even if it's just Mm -hmm. looking at the moon, even it's just noticing that things change and um, holding space for that and learning to witness that change and reconnecting us to a sense of like, oh, we are connected to the sky and we are connected to the earth. And I think if people do know more than let these practices remind them of that, then it has done its job. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, true justice from a human perspective, I don't see how it could happen apart from those connections. Seeing ourselves as separate from the containers that we are in, um, I think makes justice impossible. Mm, That's a beautiful sentence. Everything you said was great, but I think that it just points to so many of the fallacies that have gotten us into this moment. What I'm really learning to identify is like the deeply dissociative, alienated way that we we move through the world. And I guess when I say fallacy, I mean like this false belief we have that we are separate from and sovereign over Mm -hmm. the planet. Yeah. And I thought about that so much this year specifically like being at home, social distancing, quarantining at different stages, and just like literally doing a lot more watching the weather than I ever have um, of just like noticing if it's sunny or cloudy or hot or cold or raining. And something else I really noticed like is the time of the sun comes up and asking myself the question of like, why do I think I'm going to wake up at the same time every single day, the same hour on the clock every single day? when the sun does not do that (laughs) and these sorts of like fall. And and that to me just became this like one small moment where I could start to pull at a thread of like, Oh, it's because I see myself as very disconnected and my day is disconnected from whatever's happening in the weather or in the sky. And I think that pushing myself in that way to try to reassociate, associate, undissociate (laughs) 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 has, has been really fruitful and but your point being about justice, like we will never find justice if we are this alienated from each other. And if we mm-hmm. stay this way, and I don't say that in terms of like, oh, right and left are polarized and we have to come together. Like, no, I, I mean like a much deeper sense of we have alienated ourselves from the planet, from each other. And we have to take down a lot of boundaries and get to know ourselves better 
if we're ever going to change that, I think, and get to know each other better. If we're ever going to get to know each other better and change that. I agree. I was just going to say that'll require tremendous healing. You know, I think a big reason that I, like we dissociate from the planet is because there's so much pain there. Like it hurts. Like I have a, I literally have a breakdown every time I see a picture of the Amazon rainforest, you know, like a breakdown. So there's a lot of pain and it takes a lot of healing capacity to hold that pain and let it motivate us to act with each other and work with each other. And we have to be in our bodies and we have to be on the planet with the planet in order for like justice to happen. I totally agree with all that you're saying there. As we wrap up, I wanted to go back to something you mentioned at the very beginning that caught my ear, which is that you talked about being uh, an avid reader and a book lover. (laughs) I would love to know anything, what you've read recently or this year that really struck a chord, like really felt powerful to you. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, I would definitely say books are my first love, Um, books Mm -hmm. and trees. Um, books are just like portable trees, really. Um, what did I read this year? I read, I read so many things. I'm going to just now, I'm just going to be like all of them. Um, I read Underland by Robert McFarlane, which I adored just kind of, it really helped me get a very physical and philosophical anthropological sense of like earth and the underness and like the roots of things where, um, he was just exploring all these places under the earth that humans have inhabited or not and what we've done underground, what we haven't. Um, and that was just exciting to me. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Untamed by Glennon Doyle, like re- healed a thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep going back to it. Um, it keeps being, if there's something so simple about it, but it really just keeps bringing me back to this place of you aren't like, there's nothing wrong with me. And I think being reminded of that can be really powerful. Um, And it really is a book about some of the things that I've been talking about of someone just realizing like, Oh, my life isn't working because I'm not in alignment Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and what realignment can do and what our, our actual capacity and our, these long and justifying our longings and our wildness and our desires for like, a life that feels like more than the drywall boxes that many of us experience it to be. Mm-hmm. So I would say those are some big highlights. I'm ongoingly rereading Adrienne Marie Brown's Emergent Strategy. This year is no exception. Mm-hmm. Um, and I picked up some Octavia Butler this year, specifically the mm-hmm. parable of the solar and the parable of the talents. Um, they, they do increasingly feel timely um, and just a way of being like a, a prophet in a sense, um, a prophet poet. I think it holds a lot of, um, holds a lot of language and images that I think are very potent, mm-hmm. um, and hold a lot of insight for us where we are today. Yeah. Oh, such a good reading list. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. all things I have not explored this year. So yeah, I could go on, but I will not. <laughs> <laughs> separate podcast, different, different separate podcast where we just list books. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for your time in this conversation. Yeah. Thank you, Amelia. Estados Verbalistas Fifty Verbalistas
for tuning in to this episode of 50 Feminist Dates. You can find show notes at 50feministdates.com slash podcast and follow us on Instagram at 50feministdates. Special thanks to Danielle Sines and Jessica Neria for our theme song. Until next time, wild ones, we'll see you on the road.